0: Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the, the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are America. just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. For multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, How'd you get and you described twice? that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help... Hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is Robert J. O'Neill, former Navy SEAL. You are tuned into the Operator Podcast. I'm going to reiterate the reason it's called the Operator Podcast is because it's for all of us. I was a special operator. Um, whatever you're doing to make your world a better place, you are acting as an operator. If you're raising a family, you are the operator. If you're trying to make something better, you are operator, you're operating, so you're an operator. And that would mean, since I'm an eternal optimist, that because you're listening to this, you're trying to make yourself better, and hopefully I can assist you. So having said that, Um, We are going to talk about stuff. It's going to be my point of view from me behind the microphone and the camera here uh, for you to uh, take what you will. And again, I always like to get feedback on what I said. If it was wrong, uh, respond to me usually on Instagram at Mikuya or at the operator podcast. Uh, respond there, and I, I will, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I love this. I, I, I don't always check Twitter, at Mikuya, because Twitter's mean. Just meanies, man. Um, But give me the feedback there. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. And that's the only way you learn. The best way to learn is by mistakes, by screwing up. And I hope that, I mean, I don't hope, but we we all make mistakes every single day. As long as you're learning from those mistakes and moving forward uh, you can. It can be better. There's no reason to dwell on mistakes. You can't live in the past. There. I don't believe in guilt because the play is over, and you can't get it back. You cannot erase time, even though some people do try to rewrite history because they don't like it. Uh, but if you don't learn a little bit from history and move on, you're doomed to repeat it. That's what we're having um, today. We, you know, we see that current. In, in politics and, and in the world and social media and all that. But the, uh, the reason I bring that up, all of it, is because it's me as an operator speaking to you as an operator and we can discuss everything. It's not always going to be missions about being in the Navy, missions around the world, or not always missions around the world, trips around the world. It will be stuff like that, but it's fun to talk politics. It's, it's fun to talk sports. I'll give my opinion on sports, on leadership, uh, both good and bad. Uh, on what we're teaching people, I'm a big believer. Again, with, you know, with a grain of salt. As a white guy from Montana, um, I've never experienced a lot of it, but I don't think that people are born hating each other. I think it's all about what they're taught. That people are generally good and good to each other. So, again, as a as a white guy from Montana. This is my point of view. Who was once an operator. and now, I'm operating on other things. Oh, one of the things I want to bring up on social media, I did. Um, I did a podcast recently with uh, Joe Budden. He's in the music industry. It's on his uh, his website at Joe Budden, uh, and that was that was interesting because you know he comes from the music industry, the hip hop industry, and I do not. And it was cool to have a conversation about hunting with him. He being from New York, me being from Montana, but. Uh, and it's a great one. You can check it out at, at, on his website, and there's links to it on, on, on my Instagram. Great interview. Great guy. Um, one of the things I said, though, I just posted a, um, I posted a clip of that interview recently, and it happened to be one of those clips where they're also putting what you say in print below your face. And what I said was something about, I was trying to say the botched exit in Afghanistan, I was trying to say the botched exit of Afghanistan, which again was for the wrong reasons, political reasons. But what I said was the debauched exit from Afghanistan. <laughs> now, debauched is not a word. I know this. Debauchery is a word, and that's like excessive abuse of something. So debauchery and you know sex or drugs or rock and not rock and roll. Sex or drugs or alcohol. Rock and roll, I think you can't have too much of, or music. Uh, and botched is a word that I try to say, but debauched is not a word. and so, like I mentioned, Twitter didn't handle that with me as nicely as they could, but again, I'm just I, I, I try to pride myself a little bit on linguistics, and if I screw up like that and say debauched, thank you for correcting me you can you could leave the name calling out of it, but it is what it is um but yeah, so we talk about stuff like that, fun stuff like that, current events and things uh. And I, I brought up leadership a second ago. I like to talk about leadership because this is funny because it's, um, we're always in some sort of holiday mode. And uh, with leadership comes, other than you know effective communication is a big one. Uh, if, you can tell your, if you tell your people what they're doing and why they're doing it, they're probably going to be more efficient. So effective leadership, whenever someone says, uh, well, you're on a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know, I think that's nonsense. Because you should be able to tell your people anything, expect them to know why they're doing something, they'll probably be better. Effective communication also is, and I've said this before, and I do repeat myself for sake of repetition, but in order to effectively communicate, here's a good one. When you're done saying what you're saying, just stop saying it. Never pass up the opportunity to shut up. So effective communication is good. Uh, Organization is important with leadership, good planning skills, but organization. Now saying that, um, my wife, Jessica is very, very organized. And I think it's awesome because right now I mentioned holiday season. Um, and she's, she's, she's decorating the house and it's awesome. It's really cool. Everything from the placemats on the table that are the pumpkins to the, the little, um, the broom, that's made out of uh, straw and it's like by the fireplace or whatever that all the cute little signs. Like I'm pretty much like if it was up to her, we would live on Halloween Boulevard or some stupid shit like that. Uh, She's so funny about organizing though uh, and you you need to know your surroundings and you need to know sometimes what sounds like a good idea might not be a good idea. Like this. Um, Her husband, that's me, was in the military for a while and I'll have my moments of post-traumatic stress just from stuff that we've seen and combat. I've been in, uh, in some action and a lot of guys have PTSD. A lot of men and women have PTSD and not even, you don't even need to have been to combat to have PTSD. Something very dramatic could have happened to you in your life. Probably did and it's okay. So I mentioned situational awareness, which is important or in this case, a lack of situational awareness because in our organizational skills, Um, One of the things she decided would be cute to put up outside the house looking in um, is a cutout of the girl from the movie The Ring. Now, when your husband comes home at night, after a long flight, it's dark out and you're asleep. And the first thing he sees when he puts his suitcase down is fucking Samara. (laughs) Yeah, um, in an unwell-lit room on a scary night, potentially after a cocktail, it's like that skydiving story I told where I need to change my pants again. So just remember remember your audience <laughs> when you're hanging up the scary little girl from the ring. So that's funny. And then, oh, here's another one, too. Uh, um, With organizational skills, she, she cleaned the house I was on this trip, and um, I, I was excited because i uh, i can't I, one of my favorite times of the um of the day is is to uh, coffee everyone loves coffee- most people love coffee if you don't i'm pretty sure again we can't be friends but uh, i get to, i have um um i get coffee warpath coffee by the way is really good um and uh i got six box, uh, six bags of this in one big box and so they were downstairs in the kitchen but she reorganized the kitchen um so she's at work and i called her. And uh, she was on a conference call, but she answers like, "Are you okay? Is everything okay?" I said, "Yeah, honey. Um, where's the coffee? Because I looked. I've been looking everywhere. I mean, maybe it's in the freezer. It wasn't. You sh- pretty much, I've heard you shouldn't put coffee in the freezer, but it could have been." She rearranged the shelf, so it's the soda is somewhere. Um, there's there's a there's, a, um, there's a, a a shelf we have in our kitchen way up high that she can't reach. Is probably a good place to hide contraband, but. Um, but she can't. Uh, she can't reach it. Not up there. I had to check. I'm glad I didn't need to buy a new ladder. And she finally called, and, and I, uh, I said, um, "Where's the coffee?" And she goes, "Oh, it's downstairs in the guest bathroom, uh, on in, in the second uh, drawer, next to the shitter." <laughs> so I'm like, so "Let me get this straight. I got to go downstairs to the basement, past the washer and dryer." And my coffee's in the bathroom. I mean, I can sort of get where you got there with this as far as, uh, I mean, coffee might make you have to use the bathroom, but it's like, that's out of order. I don't want it in there anyway, because I don't even really use that bathroom. That's for guests when we have them. But there it is. There's, there's the coffee in the bathroom. So I got my wife on the phone. I'm getting ready to go upstairs and make my French press. And, um, and she said, oh, did you, did, you, did you get my text about take the chicken out of the freezer and I said, Well, no, I didn't. What was it about? Is it gonna tell me where the coffee is? And that just it was kind of funny. I laughed about that because um it wasn't, it was about taking the chicken out of the freezer, which I which I did. So um, yeah, so with leadership and things like that, I, I, I do wanna get into like I mentioned sports, I did mention the Navy. I talked to I was actually talking to a few college students. Yesterday, about um, a project they were having, they I, a couple of guys going to TCU. Pretty cool to get to talk to them because you know college campus. I, I was actually uh, able to get some some good uh, knowledge from them because before this conversation, I was like, "Hey man, Anna's for knowledge, or whatever." But they're on campus, and uh, I asked them, "Is is is campus really as bad as we're making it look, either from the far left or the far right?" And they said, "Well, yeah, man, it's just as bad. I mean, there's bars everywhere." And I was like. No, that's not what I meant. I mean, well, yes, there's bars. There, but no, I mean, it's just, yeah, people are pretty normal, which is good because um, I want to know that if college is still the same. I mean, there's been protests on college campuses forever. That's where the activism starts, even though I think they're a little out of control when kids are saying, well, I can't take that many credits because it's getting in the way of my activism. You really don't have your priorities straight. And you'll realize that too once if you get a degree that's worth a shit and get an actual job that pays and you realize what your fair share of taxes uh, actually is. It'll be, it'll be different, but um, uh, it's good for me to know. I I, uh, I asked him. His, his call is still the same, and, and this is interesting. This kid said, I'm not really sure because my dad is a doctor, so I'm assuming his dad's in his 50s or 60s, and he said he thinks med school might be easier now because they're trying to push people through. I don't know why, but he said maybe just to get um, to get people through and not, not hurt anyone's feelings. I'm not sure if that's true. Again, this is all operator hearsay. If I'm full of shit, and, you're, and I have doctors. I've worked with doctors. I've had... Uh, uh, excellent doctors everywhere from the vA to uh, uh, private sector stuff I had a bicep research uh, uh, re uh they hooked up my bicep i tore it I tore my bicep one time not in combat I've never been hit in combat and I've never gotten a purple heart I've been very very lucky because you don't need to be you know wrong place wrong wrong place right time you get hit with a bullet uh, it's, it's, sometimes your time is up your time is up but I, I tore my bicep after uh, the Navy. When I was um, I was I was bowling with my friend Joseph uh, on his birthday, and he's a wonderful wonderful man, gay guy. Uh, Self admitted, he said he, that he himself was as gay as a stack of strawberry pancakes, which I think is hilarious. But I I, I survived all this combat. I pick up this bowling ball, and my bicep snapped, and I, I I looked over at Joseph and and I said. I, I said, I think I need to go to the emergency room, and he looked at me. And goes, are you serious? <laughs> so we giggled and we went. But but uh, uh, I I'm not a doctor. I I've had wonderful doctors um, um, at the VA even too, and 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 the VA gets a bad rap not because of the 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 providers, the not because of the healthcare providers, but because of the bureaucrats that you need to talk to in order to get to the healthcare providers, uh, and that's another argument too. I have a tendency to go off on tangents from one operator to another. But I mean, I think that healthcare should, I think you should get treatment, especially in a country uh, in 2022, you should be able to get treatment, but you need to be careful a lot of times what you wish for, because if you want the government to run it, um, it, they're going to run it like they run everything. And that's into the ground. Imagine if you needed to get an emergency procedure But you had to go through the DMV to get it. I want you to think of your best experience at the DMV. Think of your best experience. Yeah, and how shitty that was. So that's government run. Um, VA stories. Here's here's some VA stories. When I had my bicep repaired, um, I was in recovery. Um, And the surgeon who came in, in the recovery room to check on me. I had fall, you know. I'm I'm in recovery room, so I'm coming in and out of sleep. He's he checked on me, and then he's. I had my iPhone on my chest, and he said, "If you're gonna fall asleep again, hide your iPhone somewhere because if, if someone here sees you sleeping with it, they'll steal it." And I said, the, "In recovery at the VA? Oh yeah. So not and look, again, I I'm not broad brush stroking this. There are wonderful people at the VA, but get too many." Uh, government bureaucrats in places where they can no longer be fired based on performance. You're going to get stuff where people steal your iPhone. Before I had my my bicep repaired, I had to get an MRI. So I went to the VA, the same VA. This is in Washington, D.C. I went to the VA, and I think it was on a Sunday because there wasn't a lot of people there. And my father, Tom O'Neill, was with me. And so I, le- I left most of my stuff with him to include my watch and like a bracelet or whatever because you got to take all your shit off. And I went back with my jeans and my wallet was in my jeans or so I thought. I went into the MRI machine, if that's what it's called. Again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, and as I was in there, I could hear them. There was two dudes working there. Uh, a Sunday, like I said, it wasn't a lot of people there, and they were saying something about, well, the the machine's broken, the machine's broken, and they're doing whatever, and I could see them moving around, and then they did the MRI, and the MRI takes about 15 minutes of, again, a place where if you're getting nervous of, if you if you're claustrophobic, breathe. Take your breath. Count. I was doing that. They finally pulled me out and I'm in, you know, I'm in the boxers. These are clean boxers. I hadn't been skydiving that day. Uh, So I put my jeans back on and then I went out to, I'm checking my pockets. There's nothing in there. And I I went outside and said uh, to my dad, Hey, can I have my stuff? And then where's my wallet? And he said, I, I've never had your wallet. I've been sitting here in the waiting room the whole time. And he's the only one in the waiting room. And then another, another like a mother comes in with her kids and they're running around. I'm like, well, this is weird. And I start, I asked the woman if she could stand up. Where's my wallet? And it's not not accusing her. I'm like, "Did you? is there anything? And no, she helped me look. She had her two kids who were probably like 10 and 8 or whatever. They're helping me look. Can't, and we're looking. And I asked the front de- hey, has anyone seen the wallet? I went back to the technicians and they said, no, we haven't seen it. We kept looking at whatever, and I said, this is messed up. And so I actually, um, I did have the cop that was working at the VA come down. I said, I need to file a report because I had it with me for sure to get in. Because even in some government agencies, other than voting, you need an ID, which we all have. Um, So uh, I had to fill out a report, and then I talked to the the tech, and I said, hey, man, here's the deal. Uh, I'm on TV a lot. So this is back in, what, 2015. I'm on TV a lot, and uh, I'm going to bring this up. I would be remiss if I didn't mention preparation one more time. With everything going on in the world in this country, um, you need to be prepared. What if I told you that food shortages are no joke and they're coming soon? And I strongly encourage you to get some emergency food. It stays fresh for the day you need it even years from now. With everything kind of going in one direction, which isn't good, I urge you to get your emergency, emergency food today. By going to preparewithrob.com, you'll get a $250 savings on a Ready Hour three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is America's largest and most trusted preparedness company. They've served millions of your fellow citizens, and right now you'll save $250 on a three-month kit. and It's got good food, very tasty food from breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, or snacks that give you over 2,000 calories a day. Get one kit for every member of your family and save $250 each. Your orders ship fast and they ship free. When you're ready for real preparedness, look for Ready Hour Foods from MyPatriotSupply.com by going to PrepareWithRob.com and save $250 on your emergency food kit. That's PrepareWithRob.com. Uh, on television, and I took his name down. I'm like, I'm going to mention you, by the way, and we left. As we're leaving, I said to my dad, I guarantee you the phone rings before we get back to my apartment. And it did. And they said, yeah, we found your wallet. It was right where you left it. So anyway, um, I don't want to paint everyone with a um, broad stroke. And, and even even Osama bin Laden's sister, in an interview, when asked about her brother, said, if you line 10 members from one family up against a wall, you're going to have an asshole. So that's, that was the asshole. I met him at the VA. So, uh, like I said, most people try to be good. Most are good. But laziness seems to come with government running everything. And why we would want more government to run our lives blows my mind. Back to the college dudes I was talking to. His, his dad said that he thinks medical school is harder now. Or it was harder then when he went through it. It's easier now. Which is what we're all supposed to say. We're all supposed to say that... Um, that uh, it was harder back in my day. If, if, if you uh, talk to anyone in the Navy right now, they'll say, well, back in the old Navy, which he probably meant by like 2003, which when I went through boot camp in 1996, the old Navy was 1970 or whatever. Whatever they say, everything's harder back in the day. Um, I have nothing but love for every doctor I have right now, too. I'm not bad you. I'm telling good stories. Um, and my experiences now have been really, really good, in, to include the VA, but I still think we could fix it. The way, the way we could fix the VA... Um, you need, okay, you need to get people in charge to the VA, like someone from Congress that that says they care because they need to get reelected. You need to get them to go there, but do not go with your staff and don't ad, don't give them advance notice. Don't tell them you're coming. Just go and then look around the VA. That's all you got to do. Check it out. There are... um. There are there are homeless people hanging out, especially at this one VA in D.C., that aren't even veterans. Uh, and I'm not bad-mouthing homeless people, but there's dudes in there. They just get in there and hang out all day, and I'll see some leave going. Someone say, yeah, see you tomorrow, to another guy that's sitting there. I got panhandled at the coffee shop, right, by a dude in the VA, and um, he said, hey, can I have a couple dollars? And I'm like, well, I'm paying with a credit card. What, pick out something, and I'll get it. And he goes, oh, no, no, I want McDonald's. okay well i'm not gonna walk you there um yeah so the va we can we can work on that but we need a politician to not tell anyone he's going or she's going and go and give him your id and take a look around that's the same thing with like military bases every time a general or an admiral shows up they tell us like a week before what do you think we're doing the whole time we're spit shining everything look how wonderful it is hey real quick put some lipstick on this pig so she looks nice or whatever um but so apparently medical school i hope it's great um what are they? You know, my experience, what I've seen again on social media is a problem they're having in college right now is just with bad leadership. Like I said, you only know what you're taught. Are they teaching victimization? Are they are they just telling you you need to um, you need to be offended by everything and 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 masculinity's bad and all that stuff? Um, uh, they're like almost encourage fragility, is what I'm told. I'm not in college. If you are and you're listening and you're offended, ha. Huh, point proven but I mean maybe I'm not wrong maybe I am wrong but I I would rather personally be taught by someone who has a weird thing called experience as opposed to someone in a classroom who learned everything they know from someone else in a classroom no matter what they're they're getting paid they're not affected by everything they're spewing which I think it can be the case but sometimes maybe they're right I want to be open-minded too because uh contrary to what I sound like um I I I consider myself to be in the middle. I'm liberal about a lot of things. I'm conservative about mainly fiscal things. Um, but I, I think most of us are kinda like that. And the crazies which we have on both sides, God bless them, you're gonna hear from them the most because negativity and loud shit gets ratings. Like the 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 climate change folks that sit in the freeway to block traffic. Hmm. That's thinking just have those cars idle some some more so we can uh so we can melt the melt the ice caps. You're not thinking it through, but so I get asked is, is buds easier now? I don't I don't think I don't think so. I mean it might be cuz I've heard rumors about stress cards like when you get stressed out you can put a card up um when it's too hard and uh so I need to I need to give you my stress card to let you know that I'm I'm emotionally damaged by what you're doing. Which is weird in training to be a Navy SEAL cuz I don't think al-Qaeda or ISIS would give a fuck if you tell them you're stressed out or show them laminated proof that you are. And I I, I, don't, think, I don't think that I'm not saying that I'm any t- or was any tougher than the dudes going through now. And, and they, I've heard a lot of these enlisted guys and, and officers because officers and the enlisted go through SEAL training together. It's one of the last places where officers and enlisted get treated like complete shit. And sometimes officers actually get it harder Um, worse. Uh, well, I remember in, in my buds class, I went through with, um, an ensign at the time, which is an O one one out of the Naval Academy. His last name was Smith and he, I haven't talked to him. He's probably, he could be an admiral by now, but his father was a, I think a two-star admiral at the time. So Admiral Smith is the highest ranking Navy SEAL and Ensign Smith is in my class. This is proof that sometimes don't talk yourself into an ass beating. So uh, one of the first classes we had, we had a, you know, a BUDS instructor, a SEAL on stage of the classes there, and we don't know what the hell we're doing. Even, even the Ensign really didn't know. He knew four years of the Naval Academy, which is a, a top-notch school, obviously. Um, and they said, all right, does anybody here know any Navy SEALs? And he's fishing, man. This instructor is fishing for anything. Like when someone says, uh, why did you do that? You know what a good answer is? Because I'm an idiot done end of conversation you don't need to don't talk yourself into an ass whooping don't argue more if you're just fucking stay wrong if you're wrong stay wrong but they said to the class and they knew who ensign smith was they knew who admiral smith was because he's everyone's boss he's your boss's boss's boss um they said does anybody here know any navy seals and he raised his hand and the instructor looked down and said well no shit sir hit the surf (laughs) So, and the surf from that classroom was, uh, I mean, it's a solid 800 meters away, maybe five. Well, no, back in the day, it was uphill both ways in snow, but it's a waste. He had to run up and over the berm down there, making sure he could come back to class. Now he's got to sit there covered in sand and salt water for a stupid class we're having about nothing because he said, I do. (laughs) No shit you do. Um, But I think, I mean, the guys that go through now, I've heard uh, a lot of them have college degrees. A lot of them are smart. A lot of them are really in good shape. Uh, MMA guys, CrossFit guys, guys that are in shape, that that have studied it, that know what they're doing, and are badasses. I mean, even even right now, I would when I, not right now when I was at SEAL Team Two, I'm talking like eight years in the Navy at the teams, and we would go to uh, like we a uh, house party with Navy SEALs. Obviously, invite the new guys and have a few cocktails. I would even tell the more experienced guys, the SEALs that I'm hanging out with, um. It's okay to fuck with the bud student, the guy that just graduated buds, uh, a little bit, and he's gonna take it. I wouldn't get physical with this dude. He just finished buds. He's gonna fuck you up. Um, so, and I'm assuming there are there's there still these guys uh, that are really really tough. And I know the instructors are tough. I know a lot of former. Instructors, and I've talked shit about them before. But I, if they're not, if we're not talking shit about each other, we're not happy. Something went wrong. Uh, everyone should have thick skin. We should. A lot of times we don't, but we should. Uh, and they're badasses too. And they've all been Navy SEALs. All the instructors. I think the the problem comes in with the with bad leadership, with senior dudes at a certain level that are just trying to hold on to their power, get a next, get advanced to the next rank. I mean, wh- why do you think a captain, an 06 in the Navy, would carry an admiral's bag when they're traveling. Well, because he wants to fucking make admiral. The captain does, so I'm going to do what I'm told. Um, so we start getting at a certain level of, of hierarchy, and that's not just officers. And again, when I say shit about senior enlisted or senior officers, there are so many damn good people out there holding these ranks. I'm not counting – I'm talking about all of you, just some of – just a lot of you um, – But uh, they they get to a point of being political and they're thinking about their next rank, making master chief, making sergeant major, making command sergeant major or general. They're going to say what's politically correct in order to make that rank. I need to work for a government contractor. When I get out, I need this job. My personal power requires me to do this. So they start making rules to make it easier, uh, I think. And and. I've heard, I've had uh, I've had uh, my buddy McTeams, who who was a uh, uh, Navy SEAL I served with forever, went through BUDS with him, um, and he was an instructor for a while, and he said, yeah, there's like a push-up count, like there's a certain number of push-ups a student can do in a, in a certain day, and uh, then he can't do push-ups anymore. Um, that's just it. Can't do push-ups anymore, so you're, well, I guess you're just done. I guess I'll just, uh, I would, you know, I would say bad names to you too, but I don't want to hurt your your feelings. Uh, And so that trickles down, Um, you get things like, okay, the, the, um, the getting the vaccine, they're kicking guys out of the Navy, because they're not getting the vaccine. Um, And that, you know, religious exemptions, that's fine, guys don't want to get the vaccine, because they're in shape. And you know, certain things like, well, people in good shape like that aren't going to get it. Okay, Um, I'm on the side of, uh, you're in the military. So um, you're going to do what you're told. That's just how it works. When we went to Iraq, they gave us smallpox, and I don't know how many shots of fucking anthrax. We are getting back to preparation one more time. I have traveled the world, and there are two things I know. Mismanaged governments lead to economic destruction, and gold has value everywhere on the planet. Whether it's incompetence or intent, the result is the same. Rising inflation and wasteful government spending are destroying the U.S. dollar. That's why I partnered with Allegiance Gold and want you to diversify your portfolio my friends at allegiance gold can help you protect your ira or 401k with physical gold and silver or if you prefer have it delivered securely right to your front door their approach is different they focus on educating and developing a long-term strategy that's right for you that's why allegiance gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry five stars with TrustLink, triple a rated with the business consumer alliance and an a plus from the better Business Bureau, go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you, or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their mismanagement of our economy. So that is protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com or call 844-790-9191. And that's, again, because someone's getting rich because the company that they have stock in invented the anthrax virus. And I'm, in, mil- I'm you know, for example, I'm the vice president of the United States. I can send these guys to war and they all need to get a bunch of anthrax shots. Huh? <laughs> Crazy how that works. Did you get it? No. Um, but, I, you know, I got it because at the time, and we've talked about Iraq before. At the time, I am a young Navy SEAL, and I am ready to fuck you up. I'm going to war. Hit me, hit me again. I can put some stank on it. That whole thing, um, but, uh, but 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 uh, you know, there, there are rules there. And then they started get into the the woke stuff. Um, they're teaching classes about uh, white supremacy or white privilege or whatever that is, and uh, t- you know stuff in the military. Yes, they're, they're yes, I'll, it's bad. Okay, yes, there's your class. White supremacy is bad. You're an asshole. Um, sexual harassment. Don't fucking do that, you idiot. There's your class. But the amount of money they spend on this, and 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 you, I can teach you that at the range during the safety brief. When when I, when I during the safety brief at the range when I say, okay, don't aim the gun at your buddy and pull the trigger. There's your safety brief. Don't be an asshole. There's your white supremacy brief. That should be, it. and then train more. But the, I, you know, but this is a this is this again is poor leadership and it's having an effect on um on recruitment. Look at the the army, what is it uh, under under uh, 15,000 below the level that they should get. And a lot of it like it or not is because of some of the nonsense they're teaching in the military. That's it. The the leadership can be bad, it can be changed. I have faith in the good leadership that is there and the good people that are in there. And there's great people in there. Great great uh great men and women everywhere in, in, in the military. And I just hope that, cause like the problem we're having is the, the, the guys that the men and women who should be running it are, I think right around the Oh four level, the, uh, the major or the lieutenant commander, because they've been on the ground, they know the men. They remember when they were a junior officer, and the best way they learned to be good officers was listen to their senior enlisted guys have the pulse of the men. They will talk to the E four, what's really happening, and, and they have the organizational skills of an officer. Again, there are great officers out there, but uh, we just lose it along the way with the politics that come along with it. The, the, great people. All over the place. There's so much on behind the scenes. I do think there's a little too much redundancy in the military. I think that we have a tendency to um, do too much shit again for pet projects, again for more money because we got to justify our budget so that I can keep my job. I got to spend the money, so blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, they don't really care. A lot of people in politics and in government and the military don't care because their checks are going to get paid every week by the taxpayer. So they, whatever. So they're going to spend money um, again on a lot of the unnecessary. Um, redundant training. But there's so much behind the scenes, okay? So there's there is um, support elements behind everywhere. The example is the intel that found bin Laden, the, t- the, the woman, of course, who became Maya in Zero Dark Thirty. Obviously, we know about her. But think about all the people at the agency, in the intelligence circles, going over to the military and the civilian side, different departments, finding all this intelligence. And we had intel reps with us, um, that would develop our target packages find uh, find our targets who are we going to hit how do we make sure he's a bad guy how do we find different sources get uh, um, learn ways to vet sources and see who is um, who's good see who's bad uh, you got to figure when, when we went to houses in Iraq for example and killed the bad guy in the house didn't hurt any of the innocent people around them, which I'm very fortunate to have never done that, never seen it done, which is why my PTSD isn't as bad as a lot of guys because there's some bad shit that goes on in war. but you got to figure the next day because we're not taking the bodies with us. We took bin Laden's body with us, but we didn't we would leave the bodies for a number of reasons because the next day, when people are taking them to their funeral, which they have to be buried, I think at 24 hours, Chances are the people taking the bad guy we killed to bury him are bad guys too. So follow them. Someone has to follow them. Someone has to watch them and develop a pattern of life. Um, Someone has to develop more targets so that we as, it's like the salesman. We're we're the end result. Someone's developing the package, right? So that's your intel. You've got guys, you got Navy, for example, at a SEAL team, you have, um, you have Navy divers. They have an awesome job because they're fucking divers, and that's cool. Plus Navy diver, man. That's old school. Navy divers are way older than Navy SEALs. And they, so they run our, here's how clever these pricks are. They run our dive shop. Obviously, they're divers. So they run, they, they maintain the rigs, the open circuit, which is the stuff you see with the bubbles. They monitor the closed circuit, which is the bubble, the bubble-less scuba, the systems. Um, and they keep track of it. But they also get a go on our dive trips with us. So they're running it, and they'll dive with us if they want to. There's always safety divers, and they're working. But for some reason, it seemed we're, we're going to Key West a lot. So are the divers. They're having a blast. It's awesome. They also figured out that when we jump, um, we we, uh, we need oxygen on the plane. If we get above 18,000 feet, which the highest I've ever jumped is 25,000 feet, we need someone to run the oxygen, the O2. What a Better plan than to have the divers do it. So, Navy diver, cool person in the first place, running the sub ops, the, the, the diving shop, going to Key West a lot. Now you get to come on all the jump trips. So, if they're on the jump trip, well, shit, we need to get them jump qualified. Not a bad gig. Send them to free fall, which we did. So, Navy divers getting all kinds of jumps. Well, we better send them to Jump Master because we're going to need all of our guys to jump and we need to bet. So, Navy divers. Jump Masters, we had Navy Diver Bundle Masters, Tandem, all that stuff. Brilliant, brilliant way to uh, to not work the system, to be smart about it. Um, we talk about preparation. We talk about success. We talk about planning a little bit, too. But no matter what you're doing, there are a few things more important than a good night's sleep. Um, that's why I'm talking about GhostBed. If you go to GhostBed.com, they have very comfortable mattresses that last forever, and they're made right here in the USA Every mattress has a 20-year warranty. Some even have 25, and you can try it out for 101 nights, and if you don't like it, which is highly unlikely, you can send it back, no hard feelings. The best part about GhostBed is it's got cooling technology. If it's hot out or with winter coming up, they're going to keep you warm. Uh, and also, GhostBed offers bundles, so you don't even really have to think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses and then pick a bundle. So whether you need a mattress or... You know, a frame where you want it all. That includes cooling pillows and sheets. You can get the best bang for your buck with a bundle. Go check out ghostbed.com. There's savings there right now. Go to ghostbed.com and get some good stuff. So that's so we had divers. Um we got engineers, CBs that run the engines for us, okay? So that's part of the support. They run the boats, the zodiacs, all that stuff. Uh CBs would run the big boats, uh the stuff for um the jumps when we do ducks, which is when you push a boat out of a plane, which you may have seen some videos of that. Um, we jump those, the the engineers, the CBs, we probably need that, some of them to be jumped. We need parachute riggers, which is awesome. Why? Because you are a parachute rigger. That's a school. But because you're a rigger, we need to send you to jump school. Then we need to send it to free fall, that free fall jump master, because we need more jump masters. Plus you need to stay qualified. If no seals are around, you're going to need a jump master. Boom. Parachute rigger, not a bad gig. My friend, Sean Tufts, who I've mentioned before that I will have as a guest on here was a parachute rigger. We went to Bud's together. Uh, He was the guy that fell off the slide for life. I heard his neck crack from across the room. Bad way, bad way, bad fall. Great guy. Great guy. But he became a parachute rigger. He ended up working, um, working all over the place. He was the first guy to uh, the first, I think, non, seal or boat guy to get on the Navy parachute team, the the leapfrogs. That's awesome. You get to jump into stadiums and the Preakness and the Derby. Man, that's cool. So, uh, so this is a support, guys. Um, I don't, I don't want to leave anyone out because we have intel admin. Someone's got to keep charge of our paperwork, the personnel, the yeoman. You think we're smart enough to do that? I doubt it. So someone's doing that. We had uh, one of our yeomen. She jumped in on the Captain Phillips rescue. How's that for being cool? I mean, not only are you yeoman chief in the Navy, guess what? Let's save some people. (laughs) Awesome. Woman, cool. Um, So I'm telling uh, stories about uh, cool people in so we don't all these really cool people are working there. They don't get enough credit, a lot of support networks, great people everywhere. Um, one of the reasons I bring this up is because of a story. This is one of the f- my first experiences at SEAL team 2, and it's hilarious. Um, I one of our the places that we go is supply. You where where are you getting all this cool shit? Supply gives it to you, and I'm talking everything from um, your some your dive socks, uh, your PT gear, your workout stuff, your shorts, your, your uniforms, not all of them, but like your camis uh, that you're going to work in. Gear body armor comes from supply. So someone has to run supply. These are Navy guys. Uh, they're, they're Navy dudes uh, working at a SEAL team. That's a good gig, by the way, because it's sea duty and you're not on a ship. Some people don't like, like being on a ship. I personally liked it. They, they might not. So we got this dude who's an SK, a, 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 a supply guy. And he's back there, second class. And he's got a little attitude because he's in a SEAL team. And he's an E5. You might not. Be, or maybe he's an E6. Even better. So he's someone's leading petty officer. So he's, he's badass. the an old school Navy. You know what I mean? So I walk in. There's a new guy. Like, I'm, I've got my checklist to uh, get my stuff. And there's an experienced Navy SEAL in front of me. I'm not saying a word. I don't even have my trident yet. I'm not saying a word. Out of sight, out of mind. Even, like, put, put on headgear and carry a clipboard as a new guy because someone that was going to fuck with you thinks you're working for someone else, they won't bother you. So I'm back there being quiet, and I hear the supply guy say to the SEAL, out of nowhere, he's getting his stuff. He goes, hey, man, how do you kill a guy? And the SEAL is like, "Um, I, I don't know, I uh, shoot him, or I guess you could stab him if you have a knife. And the supply guy nods his head, and he's, like, turning around to get whatever he He stops and looks back at the seal and goes, you know what? Fuck that. A karate man uses hands. And he turned around and got his shit, and that was just a funny story. And I said, I'll be damned. That guy is right. A karate man would use his hands. So um, that's a little bit about some of the stuff that we came from and um, some of the leadership stuff. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the bad... It's not the bad people it's just bad leadership in some spots I'm bringing this up for a few reasons and that would be um, the NFL because if you've seen this um they're really protecting quarterbacks to a point that's getting ridiculous I I think okay you should not target someone or try to injure someone but this is the NFL and every, I mean, NFL players. I've spoken to teams before. I've dealt with them before. If you're in the NFL at any level, you are a badass. I talk about um, the top one percenters, like the, that. I was a, just a normal dude that gets it. But we have our one. Everyone in the NFL has been the best player, pretty much on every team they've ever been on, and they're studs. And the problem is, the refs are now taking a lot of it away, and they're they're ruining it. I think personally for a lot of people um, a prime example was uh, so, so um, the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, they had come back. I want to say it was 21 to nothing. They, they win winning the game. It's third down and something. And uh, Tom Brady gets sacked on third, third and five. And that would have given momentum and the ball back to Atlanta and a guy by the name of Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady. Keep in mind now. Grady Jarrett also played against Tom Brady in the in Super Bowl 51. And they were up 28 to 3. And Jarrett had three sacks in the Super Bowl. And uh they lost the game to Tom Brady. He could the ref said afterwards that he was unnecessarily throwing him. Now, if I got a shot at Brady again, I'm going to hit him pretty hard. This guy is like almost 300 pounds, I think, and he's hauling ass. When he tackles Brady, that 300 pounds is going with him, so there's a, little, there's a little bit going on there. And it's a game changer, and the ref throws a flag, and it's an automatic first down, right? Or something like this. If my scores are wrong, whatever, and the Bucks win. Even Tom Brady said afterwards... That uh, it was a um, Brady said it was a long unwelcome hug from Grady Jarrett, which is kind of funny. And they said, "Well, what do you?" think He was joking, and Brady said something along the lines of, um, "You know, he said I don't. He said I don't throw the flags, which is true. I mean, he throws the ball. He throws clipboards or iPads, which is funny, but um, he doesn't throw the flags. That's not up to him. It's up to the ref, who's being pressured by the bad leadership. Which I mean." You shouldn't be targeting anyone, but um, you are in the NFL, right? And if you don't, if no one's forcing you to play, they're actually paying you a lot of money to play there. They're just kind of taking it away. It seems like from that, and it's, it's a shame too, because I mean everything from the standings that the Falcons were in to where they are with a loss and then uh, and all that stuff. But I mean, Tom Brady was right; he didn't he didn't throw the flags, and it's uh, not up to him, but. You start getting bad leaders in bad places with no experience. They potentially could ruin something, like they're. It seems like they're doing now. It's almost to a point where, just let them play flag football, or just don't hit them at all. And it's just, uh, it's sad to see that. It's sad to see that go in the NFL. Um, I'm bringing this up also because uh, I was, (laughs) I travel a lot, and I was walking through um, the airport the other day, and I stopped to watch, um, watch a game and there were a couple dudes talking around it and and two guys were talking i was involved in the the uh one of the one of the cowboys were playing and i heard a buddy say to his a guy he just met he goes so where uh, who's your team and he goes well i am from um i'm from washington dc um so you know i uh i guess i just am a washington capitals fan now i like hockey or whatever and uh, he said the only the only reason that i'm watching this is because of my fantasy football league. I just, I, I love, I don't love fantasy football, but I just can't lose this league that I'm in with my friends. And, and, uh, well, I said, that's interesting. I love fantasy football too. There's always dumb shit. If you lose, if you're finished last in your league, there's something weird that you need to do because you lost. But this is probably the funniest one I've ever heard. He said, yeah, I'm really paying attention. I'm trying to do the right moves and make trades when I need to. And I'm staying up with football because uh, I lost last year and I don't want to do that again. And I said, well, what was the punishment? And he goes, I had to take the SAT. (laughs) I said, what? He said, yeah. He goes, I'm a 35-year-old lawyer from Washington, D.C. I lost fantasy football, so I had to take the SAT. And I had to score a 1350. (laughs) So I have to go in there in this room at 35 years old with a bunch of kids in high school. And it took me, 1350 is the top 10% I had to take it three times so that's a very very creative I was laughing with him I was like that's really creative what you guys are doing and he said oh no it's it was way worse than um that what my buddy had to do the year before that and I said oh my god what what did your buddy have to do and he goes oh he had to get his yellow belt in taekwondo (laughs) which to me it just hit me on so many levels why that's awesome because um I mean you got to have respect for all 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 martial arts. But their thinking was, okay, if if the if the loss was you have to get your blue belt in jiu-jitsu in brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're not losing. That's just awesome. And you're just going to be a better person because you got a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. But you're a grown man. Most people who take taekwondo start as kids. So you have to go into a kid's class as a grown man and not just go. You have to get your yellow belt, which is, which is a couple of classes. And I was like, man, you guys are on creativity on another level. You'll notice that a lot of times I'll be talking about one thing. I'll have a theme for the show, and then I will go off on a tangent and talk the rest of the show about that. That's kind of how it is in life, too. When you're planning something, the only time the plan exists is when you're planning. Once you leave, everything seems to change. Uh, So I talk a lot about preparation. That's why I need to bring up tactical baby gear. Tactical baby gear is for parents that uh, know what they're doing and are prepared for anything. Because I've said before that uh, the difference between having a baby and going to war is that at least in war there are rules and babies can come at you fast and the needs to get them clean can come faster, especially when the pressure adds up of other people staring at you. Why is your baby screaming? (laughs) Tactical baby gear is designed like military gear. It looks like it. Just go to tacticalbabygear.com and check out the pictures on the webpage. It's awesome. It's highly practical, highly functional, extremely high quality. And it's, it's, you know where everything is. It maxes out preparedness. Uh, I remember watching In the field with other SEALs who were more experienced than me, when I would ask for something, it was impressive to watch where they could reach for anything, knew exactly where it was. This is how you will know exactly where everything is. And it's got, like, diaper bags, baby carriers, strollers, wagons, everything in between. You can change the bags into a changing table right there. Put the bag down, put the baby down, change the baby, you're good. Lifetime warranty. Go to tacticalbabygear.com and use the code THEOPERATOR. operator. To get a discount, that's tacticalbabygear.com, and use the code THEOPERATOR. So I'm bringing this up because uh, I did mention earlier uh, about my uh, favorite NFL team. When I was growing up, I'm from Montana, I've mentioned that, so we don't really have an allegiancy to any pro teams, which is kind of cool because you get to like anybody you want. You would think in Montana you'd be closer to the Minnesota Vikings or the Seattle Seahawks because they're not necessarily neighboring states, but they're a few states apart. But then you got to realize, up in the Northwest, those are big-ass states. Um, Montana's the fourth largest in the country. So, uh, I, anyway, I think it was—I It. Well, I mean, I don't think. It was definitely in the Joe Theismann era when he played for the Washington Redskins. And I remember seeing them win— Super Bowls vaguely. I do remember a horrific leg injury when Joe Theismann uh, uh, was sacked and and broke his leg. Uh, And for some reason, I just liked him. And then I loved him. And then it became an obsession with me. And so basically, I was bleeding burgundy and gold forever. Um, And American football is one of those sports where you basically need to be watching since the time you can walk to understand the rules to it there's so many complex rules i don't think everyone even understands all the rules i am amazed i mentioned some refs earlier i'm amazed those dudes remember the rules when they need to even when they have the the discussion but um obviously there was controversy with the name the redskins um and you know like i said white guy from montana i've never lived it and if it was highly offensive to Native Americans, and it needs to be changed, I get it. That's cool, and I will be fine with that. Here's where I get the problem. You could have gone with anything. I thought it would have been cool to say the Washington Hogs or something like that. That's what they used call their linemen, the Hogs, but I guess you would have offended dairy farmers or something. Or uh, uh, the Washington football team, that's fine, or the uh, something, but they wanted to... Just cut all ties. And that's, again, understandable because football is a business and there's a lot of endorsements that come along with it. That's where a lot of, of the money comes in. And, you know, people stop. They stopped carrying anything Redskins. Um They said they understood that fans will still wear Redskins jerseys and apparel to games, but they banned the headdress, um whatever. They banned face paint. So it's like, come on, you've seen assholes wear face paint to games. that's that's going to be offensive. But then they they banned. No, they didn't ban. They um they changed the name to the Washington Commanders. Now I don't know which white offended liberal in D.C. came up with Commanders, um but doesn't the Washington Commander sound like someone that the Harlem Globetrotters should be playing? I mean, I don't know, maybe change it to the Washington Bullets because they 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 banned the team in the NBA the Washington Bullets because DC had a big crime um and violence uh thing going on so changing the name to the Bullets really changed that. Um yeah. So uh so anyway, I just it, it's I, the other day the other day a week, uh, two weeks ago, they they played somewhere, and the the Burgundy and Gold Washington Redskins were playing in black uniforms. Okay, now I'm with everyone. A black uniform is just awesome. That looks really cool. But I mean, that's the that's the um, that's the Falcons. The Redskins are Burgundy and Gold, and they're wearing black. So they're they're the Commanders, and it's just it's like a <laughs> part of my childhood died. And I, you know, I, I always think back to the um, to the old days when it was you know. And again, even my wife said, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> your team is gone, but you know, think about it. They were. They were never really there, anyway. <laughs> they all they just, they were a cause of torture for you. We, so she's she's from Boston, and um, she grew up. She was born in 1989, so she knows winning in Boston, right? The Patriots were winners. The Red Sox won when she was there. A couple of them, the the Celtics, couple titles. The the Bruins, and so I had her. We were sitting down uh, in our apartment watching a Redskins game a few years back, and they were playing in London, and the damn game must have taken. Five hours. And we're sitting there watching. I'm tortured the entire time. And again, the game ends in a tie. And she looked at me and she goes, oh my God, is this what it's like to be a Redskins fan? I said, honey, this is what it's like for everyone who's not a fucking Patriots fan <laughs> back when Brady was playing for the Patriots. The, uh, the, the, and again, the, the team name, if, if, uh, I just, everyone that I've met, Every if, please correct me if you're listening and I'm wrong, but every every Native American that I um I know and met in Montana, um, they were fans of it because they thought that the, origi- or the origins came from uh, the standpoint of, the, of a warrior. And that's what the, the mascot um, was. There was a, an intramural team, a basketball team, at uh, the University of Northern Colorado. And this basketball team <laughs> came up with the name the Fighting Whites. And this team had Native Americans, white guys, black guys. They had Asian dudes, guys from the Middle East, and they were the Fighting Whites. And they made these shirts that said "Fighting Whites," and their mascot was like, uh, um, was like a 1950s "Father Knows Best" American male with the the dude in the with a tie, the Fighting Whites. I just, I mean, they're obviously making fun of white guys, and I thought that was hilarious. But again, I, I'm a big believer that, um, uh, you know. I, I, if, if, if you're hurting someone, stop it. But if you're not, you never lose your sense of humor too. And the and the Redskins were never about that wasn't about humor. I thought it was about. Uh, well, we'll go to the. Can we go? On, um, just a little history of it. Um, in 1971, Walter Wetzel, a well-respected former chairman of the Blackfeet Tribe, who dedicated much of his life to advancing Native American civil rights, met with executives from the Washington Football football team and persuaded them to drop the 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 R logo. It was just an R in favor of an image of a Native American warrior. And uh it was kind of looked like the the Buffalo Nickel. And and the the his story uh, Walter Wetzel, begins near Cutbank Mon, uh, Cutbank Creek and on the Blackfeet Reservation in Northwest Montana, my home state. Um it's he was born there in 1915. And um, he began raising a family soon after the Great Depression. And one of the quotes about him I'm reading here says, he used to get up in the mornings at his place out in the country on the reservation, walk a mile to a well to get water and walk back. That's what his grandson, Bill Wetzel, said. uh, Then he would walk to the highway and hitchhike as much as 30 miles to work and back. And he would do this in the dead of winter in Montana, which gets to eh, negative 40 degrees, right? Uh, Being surrounded by poverty on the reservation motivated Wetzel to enter politics. Uh, In in politics, he worked to help the Blackfeet tribe and indigenous people throughout the country by advocating for housing and job training and fighting policies that terminated tribal governments and, and reservations. As Wetzel served as chairman of the Blackfeet Nation and president of the National Congress of American Indians, he befriended President John F. Kennedy uh, Montana Senator Mike Mansfield and others within the government circles, those connections in D.C. Um, gave Wetzel the clout to approach the NFL team in, in Washington and propose the um, the logo uh, for the Redskins. And, and that's what he came up with. And, again, uh, people have been pissed about it. People have protested a long, long time, uh, the, you know. People like me that are lifelong fans—I mean, it. Yes, it's something I used to love watching. But if it affects their lives more, I get it. I didn't. I hated the name of the Commanders. i, I don't like it. It's stupid. Um, but um, um, yeah, that was—that's kind of how it came about. And that was—that that was something similar with my squadron. At SEAL Team Six, it's divided by squadrons. The first two were—they were, were colors. So they had blue and gold for Navy, and then they—they they broke those two off when they needed a third squadron. And they made Red Squadron. And uh, each one has a, has a very brave mascot. Blue team has the bones, the skull and, and crossbones. And Gold has the lion. And then Red has what we called the Red Man. And um, we didn't pick the Red Man as a slight. We picked it for a fucking warrior. I want the warrior, Geronimo, to follow me into battle. I want all of nature's elements to be with me, and we'd pick the, the red man as that warrior. I have a tattoo of the red man. He's facing forward with a bald eagle facing backward. The eagle is watching my back, but I want the red man in front, and that's how I feel about it as, as Native American warriors. That's the warriors I want. We got, we got some shit um, because we, we use, on target in war, we use what are called pro-words, And a pro word would mean instead of saying, we've inserted, we would say Lucy. And everyone that's listening that knows what we're doing, they can look up on a board and Lucy means insert. When we're at the gate, we say destiny or whatever or or, or anything. And they will know that means I'm at the gate. When we went after bin Laden, we named our pro words after Native American warriors because we want them with us. And so our pro word, when we got to Osama bin Laden, was Geron- uh, Geronimo, and we said. Um, well, my boss said after we confirmed it was Osama bin Laden, in order in, instead of saying uh, we got bin Laden, they said Forgotten Country, Geronimo, 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 E K I A, and for that I won't apologize because that was an honor of the the Americans who were here before we were, and we did that mission for America, for all of us. Um, And uh, so I'm going to close with, uh, I've been talking about football a lot, and it does mix with politics. Um, And I think everything mixes with politics and football, even though we're working our way across the pond. I heard there's going to be a game in Germany Um, if we can afford the gas next year, but that's just cool trying to bring him into it. Um, uh, Football, they they played the National Anthem at a football game in London. They played the Star-Spangled Banner, which is a song written about beating the English (laughs) at a game of a sport we stole the name of, too. So anyway, um, I bring it up because, well... I, I did get to meet the Washington Redskins. These are two quick stories that I love. And, I, again, I'm going to reiterate with professional football players are some of the biggest studs on planet Earth, period. There's no argument with that. I mean, think about the long snapper. If he gets hurt, no one else can do that. That's amazing. Think about the kicker. He's the only person on the that's everyone is watching, and you don't fuck this up. And if you do, guess what? You fucked up. Learn from it. That's what it's about. Uh, I, met, I went to speak with the, the Redskins right after I got out of the Navy, and they just they drafted Robert Griffin III, RG3. And I walked in. Well, I was walking down a hallway, and um, I saw Doug Williams. He was walking this way, and I was so starstruck. But I'm like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And I kind of look over. I'm not used to being recognized. And he goes, hey, are you Rob O'Neill? I'm like, fuck yes, Doug Williams. Shook his hand, gave him a hug. Love that. Um, I got to meet the team. I got to talk to the team. Standing in front of the Redskins, man in front of a pro football team. I was amazed at how young they were. They were so fit. And I was so nervous. And I, I said, I, I started my speech by saying, gentlemen, um, I was the SEAL Team 6. I was over 400 combat missions. I was on the mountain to rescue the lone survivor. I was the lead jumper to rescue Captain Richard Phillips from Somali Pirates. I was in the room and shot Osama bin Laden. And this is the coolest thing I've ever done. And I got a good laugh out of a beginning speech because they weren't sure what to say. And I said, I am such a big Redskins fan. I was going to name my daughter Robert Griffin IV. <laughs> Shit like that. And then I got to talk to a, a guy afterwards. that I'm not going to mention his name. Awesome story, though. Great dude. Fast rec- wide receiver, right? And he came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, uh, I, I don't normally stick around speeches, but I had to stick around to, to ask you this question. What, what kind of gun you carry? What kind of gun should I carry? And I looked at him, I said, what kind of gun should you carry? None, man. You don't know. And I looked behind him and he had like three of his friends at one on the team. And I said, those three, wh- what are they doing here? And he turned around and he goes, oh, they kick it. And I said, they kick it? They're just like your crew? And he goes, yeah, they kick it. And I go, that guy in front, he carries your gun. His choice. Oh, also, have him carry your weed. Don't carry shit, man. Um, it was just it was just funny. It was, it's so cool to hang out with athletes like that and uh, to see people that have really escalated to the top of their profession. And that's, Like I said too, if I'm talking about um, bad calls or upset fat fans like myself, um, uh, it's not a reflection at all on the players. Most of the coaches or the refs, the refs are just doing their job. There's just some questionable leadership stuff that I hope they address and these guys are studs and they're, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. They're going to uh, pr- pretty much do what they told. But I'm closing with um, with football because it is the cl- I love team sports. I I was at a SEAL team. We don't do anything alone and football is the closest sport there is to combat. Because it's similar like our intelligence. The the coaches strategize in a war room, players put on armor, and they line up against their opponent. And victory is measured by territory gained and how well one unit maneuvers against the other it uh, involves brute it involves brute strength keen physicality speed um it's hand to hand it's helmet to helmet it's man to man and um finesse strategy those are all keys Uh, uh, uh 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 intelligence memorizing plays they're all keys for mission success you know and and the the all of them the, the players, the coaches, the staff, they live or die solely on how they perform together as a team. And I was mentioning earlier how these guys have been the most, the best, most impressive player on every single team they've ever, ever been on. They're the most talented one on every team. And now they're at the top of the top. They're tier one football players. And talent can win games, but teamwork and smarts, intelligence, Will win championships. You know these guys have they've they, they've been through the grinder. They've done, especially in the South two days in the heat since whatever Pop Warner and then middle school if that's uh, um, and high school and then college. And what they're learning there is to to work hard and never quit. And it is so hard to beat someone who will never quit. The realization that that the pain is temporary, time heals everything. You'll get over it. Pride is a lifetime. And at the end, if the scoreboard doesn't say what you want it to, like I was saying about the kicker you missed, you need to learn how to bounce back and rededicate yourself to being better and then never quit the next time. So if you keep that up, the mentality of a warrior, you're never out of the fight.